Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 32, You Stink of Lies. This week, we're discussing season 3, episode 3 of Doctor Who, Gridlock, and season 2, episode 19 of Buffy, I Only Have Eyes for You. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. And so we begin with gridlock. We begin by yeah. going nowhere. Um, yeah. So, yeah, gridlock. Uh, I want to talk about the doctor first. Seems right. seems appropriate. I don't know when the last time we started talking about the Doctor is in a Doctor yeah. Who show. No, I'm I'm sort of joking. <laughs> I don't actually know that, but I'm sure we have before. Um, but yeah, the Doctor. No, I feel like a lot of times we give precedent to the companion or to like the else, monster but... or something. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I think this is a really good one to focus mm-hmm. on the Doctor for actually. Uh. Yeah, for a couple of reasons. One, we get the first real description of Gallifrey. Yes. Uh, Yes, we do. Of his home world. And the first time I was watching this, I, you know, so I'm watching and I'm kind of thinking like, well, I wasn't sure if he was actually describing it for real or if he was just... At first, I mean, like when when Martha's sort mm-hmm. of like bugging him, like, can't we go to your home yeah, planet? Yeah, in that and, in that first. Scene, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And and I wasn't sure if he was just sort of going off and saying, oh, you know, yeah, it's got an orange sky and whatever. Because like she starts saying, does it have this? Does it have this? Does it have this? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like I wasn't. I almost got the sense like he was just sort of agreeing with her to try to get her to shut up about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> and she mm-hmm. didn't shut up about it. So, but then. You do sort of get you you kind of realize as as he's talking you're like oh well actually it does seem like he's remember like he's actually remembering now rather than just acquiescing he's reminiscing you know and mm-hmm. and and sort of giving her an idea of what it really is like but then he sort of cuts her off quickly and it's not till the end where we get you know his big confession that he was lying that he is in fact the only one and that he was just trying to sort of pretend that his family and his people were still around Mm -hmm. uh that he actually goes in and has a real uh discussion a real reminiscence a full reminiscence um not just sort of a you know before it's like almost like you see a lapse in judgment and then he kind of pulls himself back together. Now it's, mm-hmm. he's actually opening up, which I find is interesting because that never happened with Rose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I have that in here. Like one of the bullet points, especially for the, I think I agree with you that the first time, not that he's saying, yeah, it has spires in the sense that he's just saying he's lying about whatever like I but I think there is that sense that he is saying there is that hesitance at the beginning yeah I have a planet but it's not that interesting he doesn't want right, to talk right. about that it. would so be no fun for me yeah it, which and is then, an interesting thing because you know he would love to go back there like absolutely yeah, yeah. it's not that it well, wouldn't be fun it's that he can't yeah but even in that first scene that when he actually 
rather than just saying, yes, yes, it has all this stuff, when he actually does kind of pause and start to describe it, mm-hmm. there is that sense that this is a real description. That right. It's the first real description that we're getting. Right. But, but again, then it's at the end, you know, can we go there? Well, no, because it doesn't exist. And so he's got to find a way to say, why can't we? That doesn't invite a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know... Uh, that's boring. Let's go somewhere cool. Right. But um, all of this to say that in in my notes for the end of the episode, um, that that final scene, I think, is the most open and sort of vulnerable that we've seen him since ever <laughs> in, in, yeah. in the new show. You know, I think, you know, and that's not to minimize Rose, but... But the deg- but the degree to which he is sort of showing that vulnerability is something new. Um, well, and I which mean, is interesting, and I guess we can talk about why we think that is. And well, yeah, and I I was just going to go into that. Um, so the 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 thing that I was thinking is, yeah, I don't think it minimizes Rose at all. I think a lot of it has to be. That he's realizing, and and part of the revelation that he has, the self-revelation that he has here, right, is, oh, I was, I've been showing off, is what he says about, you know, why he's, yeah. doesn't know anything about Martha, but also why she doesn't know anything about him, right? It's not just that he doesn't know anything about her because he's showing off, it's also he's been reluctant to share anything with her. Um, yeah. And, and I think part of the revelation of, I've been showing off and and therefore not learning anything about her is is to realize that like his reluctance cuz he never got to say I love you to Rose, right? He never mm-hmm. he never got to have that moment where he was truly open and honest with her there. And that's not to say they didn't yeah. draw closer there to seasons or whatever you want to call it together. However much real time in their world they spent together. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they did draw close, but he never, like you said, he never fully, this is the most open we see him. And yeah. so it seems to me like he's, it's because of Rose. It's not in spite of her yeah. or, or because she yeah. wasn't worthy enough. It's because he realized he made that mistake. I, I think, I mean, obviously I'm sort of putting words into the doctor's mind here. I don't yeah. know what he's thinking. We don't get that exactly, but I think that's a reasonable interpretation um, that one could make uh, to say that the doctor here is, is sort of realizing that he, it, not just with Martha, that he, has sort of been closed off to, but he never truly opened up to Rose either. And if he's going to do it, he should do it now because there may not be opportunity later, especially if this is the last trip Martha gets, which is what we're told at the beginning of the episode, right? Okay. Well, I said one, but maybe just one more. We'll go into the future and then you're done. Like, yeah. Okay. This is her third trip now with well the right. second second full trip i guess the first one right he third sort her. of adventure right together. third adventure yeah. but like this is really the last one like I, i'm really for serious this time um yeah, yeah. so so yeah so it i, I you kind of get that feeling that by the end of the episode he's come to that realization also having just seen the oldest creature in the known universe die 
yeah. has to put a sense of mortality into things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, no, and I have that down too. Yeah, we, we, you know, I, and it, we'll it, talk about the, Face of Bo later, but I'm just like, that definitely is, I think, got to be something that's crossing his mind. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's a, it's a combination of all of the, I mean, I think it's, it's two plus years of character development, which is significantly impacted by Rose. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the loss of Rose, and we talked about, you know, how, you know, that was, the, the ways the character changed sort of, you know, upon, you know, getting that kind of, you know, a little bit of darkness and a little bit of melancholy coming in mm -hmm. with the loss of mm -hmm. Rose. And then, you know, we noted that in um, The Runaway Bride, it was the first time that he'd used the word Gallifrey since the series came back. So yeah. this is sort of the logical progression of all that. But then it's also... And, and how Donna you know, also rejected him. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. You know, and then, and then I think a lot of what's going on in this story too, you know, the idea that he was kind of showing off to Martha and then she goes and he can't get to her and kind of, you know, she could just go and get herself killed and, you know, all because he... You know, yeah. not that he's directly responsible for what happened, but you've got to feel like there's a huge, there's more sense of responsibility for Martha in danger this time because, mm -hmm. you know, because he's just sort of been a little bit dishonest before, you know, I mean, maybe I mean, they would have still ended up going to this planet anyway, but there's the sense of he kind of lied to her and said, no, let's go over here. And then, of course, she gets into... A dangerous situation right you know but then i think you've got to add Bo into there i think you have to add i think i want to talk about you catastrophe a lot because we're going to talk about it with buffy too but i think the <laughs> kind of what starts out as the bleakest kind of dystopian mm -hmm. you know it, world that you can which of course we're not have. expecting because we've seen new new york we've seen before. new york yeah so no it, Right, and that was kind of utopia with the seedy underbelly sort of right, right, right. This is like full out and out. The world has crumbled, mm -hmm. and we're in full-on dystopia mode. So then to have the kind of you know you catastrophic fairy tale happy ending, mm -hmm. um, you know, in which humanity is sort of delivered and lifted their, right from and its, their hope yeah. which seemed so you know i i always think you know they they play the two hymns in this episode there's the one where they're all in the cars the first time and they're mm -hmm. all sort of singing along and crying and mm -hmm. you kind of get martha's reaction which is that she's very moved by that and then you get the kind of standoffish doctor and you know he's sitting there thinking judging them that this is the opiate for the masses and that this right, is right, right. you know just about keeping them in their place so that they don't question you know what bleak lives right and it's living. coming through then, actually well it sorry i was just gonna say and it's coming through the tv right so it's yeah. it is kind of that you're right i i didn't think of it in the that like the opiate for the masses terms but but it is very about right it's coming through the idiot box it's coming through yeah. um that entertainment Thing to, the, the thing that takes your mind off the predicament that you're in kind of thing, yeah. right? Right, right. But then at the end, the, that hope is validated because someone is 
they haven't been abandoned. Someone is watching over them, and it's Bo. And, you know, you do get, with the help of the doctor, you do get this sort of delivery at the end. So I think all this stuff comes together. So then the second time, you know, the hymn starts playing, and, or it's a different hymn, but, you know, the city starts singing again. The doctor's not doesn't have a cynical reaction. This time his reaction is to confess to Martha and to be honest with her and actually have a real connection with her. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's a really lovely sort of culmination of kind of, you know, three seasons so far. You know, that all those things are sort of leading to the point at the end of the episode where he can actually sit down and talk about what's happened, um, which is something that hasn't really literally hasn't happened before other than the little bits of sort of cryptic things that he's shared because you know he's sort of had to share with rose or whoever yeah 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 so i you know some interesting stuff i mean i uh, like i mean it's mostly just sort of physical description of the planet so i don't know that we need to go into what right. he actually yeah. says Although about it the 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 interesting thing about it is that it goes back to the very beginning of the show. I don't know exactly how many episodes in, but very early, within the first year, Susan, the granddaughter, describes Of classic the planet, who, you mean? Of, cla of classic who. She describes, I don't even think it, I don't even know at what point it was called Gallifrey, but she describes their home planet. Okay. And what she describes is orange skies and silver leaves. Okay. So, so the descriptions are as old as the show. Consistent um, there, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I so, didn't, I didn't know so, that. So. Yeah, and and and, you know, how would you? But you know, for for someone who, I, and I think you do get. By the end of the episode, you know this is honest, right? It's not just him right. oh, yeah. making up a description. Right, but right. I think if you have seen the classic show, then those images are very poignant because you would know those are, mm -hmm. you know, that's a description that we've been hearing for as long as the show's been going. So when he talks about it being lost, the fact that the physical description is accurate, um, you know, kind of ratchets it up to the next level of poignancy i think yeah yeah well yeah and and like you said definitely at the end uh you do know that he is being completely honest and and the description does match with the earlier thing so that's that's was where i was starting earlier when i was you know first talking about it um you know, that's when I first started watching. I, I sort of expected that because he was just sort of agreeing with Martha and he was just kind of saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yes, and there's orange sky and there's, you know, yeah. whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like not having, not knowing any of that other description from Classic Who, I thought that he, that he might just be, you know, sort of blowing her off. Um, and, and, right. and, and I think that is the even if the, his descriptions are accurate, I think that first scene is a little bit of a blowing her off. It's meant to placate her enough to satisfy her curiosity, but not so much that he still needs to have an excuse to not go there. So I think that sense of him deflecting her is still a part of it, even if he's not actually lying about what Gallifrey looked like and everything. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah. So very, very interesting that he does open up there at the end. And I think, uh, yeah, it's it's good. I mean, it's good for him. You know, right? It's it's yeah. it, it, it. I'm glad that he's kind of doing that. And it and it also goes back to um, what Martha says about him when when. Uh, uh, oh, I forget. Uh, Jean, is that mm-hmm. her name? Asks mm-hmm. if she and the doctor are together, and Martha says, "Well, you know, sometime I think." Sometimes I think he might kind of like me or, you know, whatever. But then I think it's more that he just needs to have someone with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's which is also another sort of theme throughout the episode. Right. Because then Bo tells him you're not alone and and all right. of that. But but specifically about Martha, you know, I think that's that is a point. You know, he it's nice to see that we're not we talked about how with Martha you kind of have to start over again right and we even got in the last episode we got the reference of oh i hate having to explain psychic paper yeah. you know to people again or whatever you know it's you get that yeah. um or or, right. or in the first episode oh, it's bigger time. on the inside yeah 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 um you know you get that kind of thing but it's nice to see that he's actually yeah that kind of sarcastic is it <laughs> yeah 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 and and you get the uh you get the sense that there's um it's not complete like he he did have to start from scratch but he's also kind of picking up where he left off in a way too because he doesn't have to go through that entire emotional journey that he had to go through with rose he's he's kind of learning from that and and picking up and saying you know maybe i shouldn't wait so long to open up to martha um yeah so yeah, and I think it helps that she's sort of, you know, kind of her as this sort of doctor in training. She's a kind of, you know, a good listener. Mm. You know, and again, not that Rose wouldn't have... I'm sure if the doctor wanted to talk about Gallifrey and talk about his experience, she would have sat there and listened to him all night. But I think, I think there's something, too, which, you know having someone who is kind of a caretaking and I mean we saw Martha with her family what kind of a supportive caring person she is you know so having someone there at that point to kind of just no sit down and we're going to talk it out right you know I think yeah that's exactly what he needs at that point well yeah and that's 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 an interesting aspect because I don't think we ever got Rose being that one to say like Rose took initiative, but it was always, come on, let's go. I'm the one to lead. I'm the one to go. It was never, mm-hmm. no, we need to stop. There's something between us, and we're not going to move on until we resolve yeah. what this issue is. Um, so that is a, an inter- And we've talked about, again, you have to compare Martha to Rose because right. that's, those are the <laughs> companions we know at this point. Um, so it is... It is an interesting aspect of her character that it's that she's willing to to put she's willing to sit down on a planet billions of years in the future and you know hundreds of thousands of light years away or whatever fifty thousand light years away and say I'm not going home until you talk to me like we need to duke this out a little bit because um, we don't get that from Rose we never really got 
something like that from Rose. I'm trying. I mean, I'm saying that now. Of course, I'm sure there's probably maybe an example somewhere, but sure. Um, I right. I can't think of a time extent. off the top of my yeah. head where where Rose was like, "No, you sit here and talk to me." It was always, "I need to get back to the doctor," or "The doctor will come to me," or. I'm in charge, you know, I'm, I'm leading now you follow me or, you know, like mm-hmm. things like that. It was never, let's sit and figure this out together. And mm-hmm. you tell me, you know, you let me be your shrink for a minute and, and right. Right. open up to me kind of thing. Even though I, I think you're right. I think she would have listened, but it would have taken the doctor, um, you know, to be the one to do that on his mm-hmm. own and i it, it doesn't seem like he would be willing to do that on his own and he wasn't here until martha said no stop wait yeah so that's an interesting i didn't really think about that but that i mean that says more about her i think than the doctor so sure um yeah, yeah i don't know so but sticking with the doctor <laughs> mm-hmm. uh yes. And he, what, what, well, okay, so he got a jacket from Janice Joplin. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, not, (laughs) that's pretty cool. Not many people can say that. So good, (laughs) good on him. Um, the, oh, so, okay, so Gallifrey, yes, we learned some more about that, and that's cool. Also about the time war. Um, Mm. I don't know, do they say anything really new about the time war? We, we get a few things. When yeah, he's talking to Martha. I mean, not not a huge lot. It's not like we're getting... It's kind of like with Gallifrey. It's just... It's not so much that we're getting new information as just maybe a new color on it. That, you know... He doesn't... It doesn't seem as much that he's talking in this episode as he has in the past about, you know, the the conflict you know it's not like he's facing down a dalek and having to you know uh you know either accuse it of you know whatever or defend what he did it it sounds just more um it's more like textbook history uh, <laughs> in yeah, a way well, there's something more just kind of elegiac about it because eh. he doesn't actually talk about what he did Mm-mm. he doesn't actually talk about the event he more just talks about the fact that they're all gone and that you know not that we lost but everyone lost right that this was just right. a horrible thing in which everybody lost there right. was no winning side um so it, it's more it's less about you know the actual political you know uh, upheaval and more about they're all gone my family my friends even that sky you know yeah and and more about the loss of it and less about the the conflict i think right right so not so so i don't think we actually learn new information it's more just a new color on you know what we've heard yeah no you're right and i think i actually had that lying down the and they lost, they lost, everyone lost. Um, yeah, so it's, I wonder how much of that, I mean, because we still don't know exactly what he did. Other, I mean, we know that he caused the death of everyone. Um, and he does mention about, like, he lost his family and friends and 
mm-hmm. every like he's the last of the Time Lords kind of thing. But mm-hmm. we still don't know truly what he means by family. He says he was a father, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. in whatever episode that was. But we still don't know like exactly what he means when he says family. Like, how many kids yeah. did he have? You know, was he married? And how many times? And you know. Right. How extensive did he have brothers and sisters and, you know, were his parents still alive at the time and that kind of thing. So plenty of plenty of questions right. still. But right. Uh, sure. Um, and but I think that's a secondary point because they're all gone. So. Right. Right. No, I, like, I'm just. Yeah. No. Right. And I'm just saying, like. That we don't get anything more. You're right. And maybe no, we don't need no, yeah. more than that. Maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's just, it doesn't matter how many kids he has because he doesn't have any now. <laughs> you know, it's it's just. Well, and I, I think it, it, you know, whatever family he may have had, he's kind of already abandoned it by the time, like, kind of, Doctor Who in 1963 starts with him having run away from home and I mean he has a granddaughter but it's not like he's traveling with the wife and the kids in the TARDIS like even at that point mm. we don't know anything about what family he might have had so it's almost like that's even further in the past it's not like he had a close knit family which he then wiped out in this sort of act of genocide it, and, and I mean he may have done that too but we don't really know for sure that what family he even had by the time the time war happened mm-hmm. um yeah. so all of that to say is we have no idea <laughs> and and that's extremely nebulous yeah. um so i think no, when he says my fam when he says my family he could mean my parents my brothers and sisters you know my wife and my kids but i think it is more about my people you know, yeah, family in the sense of my race. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my kith, not that it couldn't also kin. include. Yes, yeah, not that it couldn't also include literal family, but we don't really even know what he had in the right. What that constitutes, family. yeah. Um, and we never have known that really, apart from the granddaughter. So anyway, yeah. No, you're you're right. Um, so. And we may never know. That's fine. We may. That's that is a possibility. Um. So on that note, we probably should talk about Martha a bit. Uh, yes, a I, bit I, more. I, one quick thing. One okay. more thing I want to say about the doctor, which uh, I put this in. The, I just want to mention another one of my favorite sequences, and I put this in the same sort of category as the TARDIS chasing the taxi down the street. Is him. Uh, jumping from car to car (laughs) down the line which is just one of those like scenes where you just sit there with a huge smile and just you know that the I'll find a way down I usually do and just Mm -hmm. it's kind of like well I'm gonna get down there and even if it's completely insane it's also a bit magnificent so (laughs) you know you you just like to see those scenes where he finds a way yeah Um, you know. Yeah, and I love that so, he just he just drops and he leaves the hatch open 
you know, for whoever's yeah, in the yeah. car to close it, presumably. Um, yeah, to come down, whatever. Like, yeah, he's just yeah. trying to get down there. Yeah. And all the different wacky characters that you see. Like, he drops in on some nudists. And he drops <laughs> right. in on, right. you, you know, just kind of waving at people, saying he's from, like, you know, the the motorway you know he's taking hero. a survey yeah he's taking a survey thank you for your comments then he jumps down to the next car like <laughs> it's just a really a really fun i like those kind of fun sequences where the doctor is just sort of being the doctor who can just figure out anything mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i think that really works it helps when you have a sonic screwdriver that can open yeah, anything yeah that that is a, a requisite to a lot of what he figures out. <laughs> um, okay, but I just wanted to mention that I really enjoy that scene. But no, you're right. That that was good to bring up. I I I did enjoy that as well. I thought that was quite funny. Uh, him dropping from car to car. Yeah. Uh, so Martha. So okay. So we we already talked about her refusing, um, you know, to leave. Um, but we get sort of the. You know, again, how quickly, just like Rose, rather quickly, sort of fell for the doctor. And we mm -hmm. see Martha starting to fall, so to speak, right? Despite her initial protestation that she has no interest, uh, she's already here, clearly sort of acting like she does have interest. Um, mm -hmm. And not just uh, not just before, like, you know, I mentioned that, that she said... Uh, you know, about, oh, sometimes I think he might like me. He might be into mm -hmm. me. Um, mm -hmm. But even, like, in, in the beginning, was the, oh, when you said you were here before, was that with Rose? <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the the jealousy of the ex kind of uh, yeah. moment yeah. there that she has. Right. Uh, she, even she knows she's a rebound companion yeah. a little yeah. bit. <laughs> um, which is interesting. So, and, and we, uh, I think last week after we were talking on i don't remember if we recorded this part or not so forgive me if we did or didn't but um we you and i were talking about how uh these three episodes sort of follow the same pattern yeah um, yeah slightly slightly switched with the second and third episode just kind of being reversed but we have the adventure on earth followed mm -hmm. by the adventure uh, in this case, the adventure in the past and then the adventure in the future. And in, in previous seasons, it's they've gone to the future first. But, right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, but sort of the first three episodes following that same pattern. And so you do sort of have that meta reference as well, right? It's not just, you know, oh, you brought Rose here. But it's, oh, we've all been here before, too. And, and literally, mm -hmm. we've been to New New York uh, before. And also have been uh well it's our third meeting of of Bo, which we'll talk about right uh in right. a minute this too. is kind it's... of the cult this is the 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 new earth trilogy or the the bow trilogy yeah that, yeah you know these three stories are kind of telling a continuous mm -hmm. you know subplot from from episode from season to season really yeah yeah so um so yeah, you kind of get that moment of of the 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 jealous jealousy of the ex sort of thing, even mm -hmm. though Martha's not interested. But um, <laughs> you know the the. I, but anyway, I just wanted to point out, yeah, that it is a meta moment, and and it is kind yeah. of 
uh, like we were talking about before. Uh, anyway, so spent probably too long discussing that. Uh, we talked about also already, I guess, her curiosity in the home planet, but I, I think that's interesting that she has in mind that to go to that. Does Rose ever ask right. about right. the doctor's well, home planet? I mean, I, I don't remember. I so mean, and maybe because I, she learns early enough that it's and gone. That would be, that would be my thing. I mean, now I think it's important that we never really, like we were talking about, we never really get a scene of Rose asking the doctor, tell me about your home planet. But I mean, so in her defense, I think it's in her second episode that he tells her it's in, it's when they get back from um, from the end of the world, from the year five billion, mm-hmm. that he says, because I just saw the Earth get exploded, mm-hmm. and so they come back, and he says that the, the, you know his planet is gone too. Yeah. Um. So, you know, at that point, obviously she knows, you know, the planet's gone, so she's not going to ask to go visit it, but. Um, but it is interesting that, you know, and now the doctor kind of takes Martha for a trip to the past sort of as a surprise. But then her first request really is, well, where are you from? Can we go there? Right. And I think that is interesting that it shows that's an aspect of, again, Martha is the person who thinks of other people. And I don't, I, all this is sounding like I'm favorably comparing her to I'm not putting down Rose I think but I think there's I think Martha's maybe it's a positive a aspect of her character yeah. it's a positive aspect and she's maybe a little bit more mature you know that she's you know that's just where she's at and and she is the kind of person who thinks mm-hmm. uh you know where where might somebody else like to go? Maybe we'd like to go visit your home. Wouldn't that be nice? You know that that's mm-hmm. kind of rather than just off Let's go see, you know, you know the the craziest thing just so I can have an adventure or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more about you know. Well, I'll try to think of what might the other person like to do, and wouldn't that be you know? Yeah, and I and and it's complete speculation on my part, but I wonder how much of that is because of her connection to her own family, and she's wondering, well, what's yes. what's a what's whole planet of like people and, like yeah. you like? You yeah. know what? You know what? creates a being like you you know where does what are your roots Um, right and some of that that's some of that is that curiosity like you know we talked about her having a more scientific interest in Mm -hmm. um in things part of that could just be that kind of more analytical thought process that i don't just want to see something random i want to see something that is intellectually interesting so you know, you're a time lord. Let's go see more time lords. Mm-hmm. You know, where did you come from? And yeah. you know, yeah. Uh, so it's just a different approach to. It's a more deliberate approach to the time travel, I think. Yeah, on that um, sort of the scientific slash doctor medical outlook of things. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, interesting that you know we get a society that has been decimated by disease, right, by a virus, yeah. um, and but also due to self-medication, right? Like the virus comes about because of, well, you know, what did she say? She says, you know, oh, 
are these drugs? And the doctor's like, no, I think, I think they're selling moods. And she's like, well, yeah. is it, that's the same thing. Like that's, that's yeah. why people take drugs is to feel better, to forget things, to, you know, not have to be in the present moment where they mm. feel that things are not very good for them. And, and that's what causes the demise of the planet. Right. So, so kind of an interesting aspect there that she she does sort of cut through that uh you know i mean okay so you it is basically a drug you put this patch on and you feel a different way like it's manipulating your brain somehow to you know give you the right chemical or the right stimulation of of something and and she's like no that like that's that's just a drug you know whatever the cause of it is um and interesting too that when she sees uh Cheen with the honesty patch, which right. you know, you would think, Oh, that's a good thing. She's being honest, you know, she has to be honest because she's on this patch. But right. it's almost dishonest to have the honesty patch, like it seems right. in a way. It's like, no, just be yourself. Like that's more honest right. Right. even if you end up lying to me, you know, about something. Uh, than right. wearing and, this patch. And she's pregnant. So, of course, Martha's doctor reaction is, well, yeah. what the heck do you have that thing on for? You know, yeah. that, again, that's another pointer to Martha, the doctor, is looking after people and right. get those chemicals out of your system. You're having a baby. Right. So, yeah, no, I think it's... But, like, you're right about the hypocritical idea of a patch for honesty because <laughs> what does that imply about your natural state of being you know yeah well so. and you're modifying yourself to be honest which is kind of not honest so yeah it's yeah. it's just kind yeah. of a weird little paradox there but um yeah no so i think i you know i think we do get of course but then we still then we get the the again the pop culture reference right it's not harry potter this time but it's the whoa where did you think of that oh i saw it in a film you know, yeah. I saw it in a movie, so yeah. I, I don't know if right. it'll work. I don't remember about what submarines. happened next. Yeah. yeah, it was a movie about yeah. submarines. Thought it might work here. Eh, seems to have worked. Okay, what happens next? I don't know. <laughs> I, I just saw it in a movie. Um, so, yeah, no, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, I'm no, assuming she's, we'll she's, continue to get some of these pop culture uh, references She's pop culture literate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just just her, uh, well, her hesitation, I guess, when she, well, well, for I, I kind of laughed when she saw, I laughed when she saw the burnt bones, and thought it was the doctor. Um, I know it, that that always strikes me as a little awkward. Yeah, like, really, that's your conclusion that you jumped to. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know. Especially since she just saw him on the so TV. Like, 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 it just seems like a big leap. But yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, but then, like, her first real confrontation... Because, like, at, up to this point, she's just been with humans, right? Like, the... Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You right. know, like, her first real... Con- I mean, other than the doctor, who looks human... Right. Um, her first confrontation then with aliens, right? That <laughs> oh, oh, that's Hame. Well, there were the, the Jadoon, but 
Oh no, yeah, but the that that is one of my favorite lines. Is it's the face of Bo. Don't worry, or, or it, it's all right. And that's Hame. She's a cat. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, right. The the Jadoon. I get. I meant like I guess on this planet, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there was there were the Jadoon and and the 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 plasmavore, but um, who also looked human anyway. But the, yeah, in this in this case, like even the Jadoon. I mean, they resemble something of Earth, right? They're like, uh, you know, rhinoceros looking and the cat is that but face of bow where does that come from like yeah. it's just like this huge face right. with like these weird dangling bulbous yeah. things on the end i don't even know right who... no he's he's properly alien right right um and <laughs> so well we're not talking about face of bow yet anyway so well we probably should soon but oh crap yeah wow i didn't even notice the time well, yeah, my only point was, like, yeah, like, this is, like, like, we've seen, I, I didn't think about the Jadoon, so you're right, she had encountered aliens before. Um, no, but I and, think and, you're right. And the, the witches, the, the... the witches were technically aliens, but, again, right, those but were, those like, were human. Right, familiar things, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But, like, Face of Bo is, like, the first true alien being that yeah. she really encounters, and she just stops and is, like... Yeah what is that <laughs> like <laughs> sort of uh, you know because uh, again you know it's you're in new new york you're you're really you know it's a step into the future a big step in the future but it's still familiar flying cars and mm-hmm. eh, we've seen those in movies you know and it, like you know yeah. giant crab things okay but they're crabs <laughs> you know what i mean and she doesn't even really see them anyway but yeah, it's that it's that stop, yeah. it's that pause. It's like, wait, I I'm I'm not in Kansas or wherever anymore. I am in a world where right. things like the face of Bo exist. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. And and that you know, her her reaction is to sort of stop and not know what to do and then we launch into a very sad scene of his death. Yeah. And so her first encounter is not to be sort of weirded out by the alien, but to then, you know, be expected to empathize with it. Mm. You know, that it, it's almost, it's almost like then they, they go into the most human scene, you know, that yeah. it's not a wacky adventure with some weird alien. It's the face of Bo's dying and it's very sad, you know, <laughs> that, so I think that's kind of an interesting, she doesn't really get a chance to come to terms with it. She just has to sort of, sit there you know while this awful thing happened so yeah yeah i wonder how much more we'll get about that but anyway like not with the face of bo specifically but just like her having to deal with aliens and death Mm -hmm. and sort of all that but we do need to deal with this face of bo specifically because we cannot not talk about the face of bo no no we have because we've waited too long (laughs) um don't go dying on me, you big old face. I love <laughs> that line. Maybe my favorite line from the episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I just love that line. Um, <laughs> no, the, the, so the face of Bo. So, okay, here's a couple of things. If, if, I, if I have to cut to the chase, can't go mm-hmm. around. Um, so, okay, so he's presumably been 
in New New York since the doctor was there last time. Right? Yeah, that's, I think that's the... That's what we're... Because yeah. Haim is punished by being his nursemaid, so to speak. Right. right. Um, which he was there last time. So, it, like, that's... That's a continuous. So, d- how long from since then did did we get a an amount of time? Uh, I don't think so. I know it's been twenty four years since the plague. Okay. S- which which so that's how long the undercity's been sort of closed off. But I don't I don't know that we get exactly how long it's been since um, the doctor was but, there I last. Mean, but Hames Hames still alive. She's a little grayer than she used to be. So maybe it's been. 30 or 40 years or something. Yeah, we but, don't know um, what, how long cat people live. We don't know that. So, but within, within a lifespan or so, yeah, you know, okay. not, not that Not long. terribly long. Not, I mean, in the, it's like the face of Bo blinked. Right. Basically yeah. compared not, to. Nothing in terms of face of Bo's longevity. Um, so, okay. So here's the thing. Yeah. We get all this sort of legend around the face of Bo. Uh, the doctor says, legend says face of Bo has lived for billions of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw, and I actually just rewatched um, with my daughter, the, uh, the long game. And there's a reference to face of Bo in that. And that, yeah. I believe, takes place 200,000 years into the future from our present from rose's present Two hundred thousand, but then of course end of the world and these two episodes these episodes with new york take place like 5.5 billion years or something billion years so yeah so it's like the same face of bow right like we're this is so when the doctor and and i mean I guess I don't know, but there's no indication that he's a time traveler, too. Right? Like, the presumption is yeah. it, it, he's yeah, living a linear is... life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, dang. And, like, he was already <laughs> old. Like, he... Well, in the in the long game, they're say, they say he's pregnant with Bomina. <laughs> so, my question... my other Well, one of my questions is, okay... I guess we've confirmed that he really is perhaps billions of years old. Yes. Um, yes. And that it's the same bow. It's not like, like, cause we get, we get the suggestion that the doctor is a title handed down from, right, you know, right, whatever to right. whatever, but we know it's really uh, the same person, no, but I this think, is, I think we're meant to, we're meant to understand that this is bow. Okay. And he's really been living for billions of years. Um, and is there a Bomina? Do we ever meet Bomina? Like, did he actually? I don't think we ever meet. Like, we don't ever find is, out about Bomina. I mean, or there's the all sorts of biological children. questions that brings up about how a face has a, like, do they just cut off one of the tentacles and it grows like a, like a, you know, a tree, uh, you know, sapling. Yeah. Um, you don't know. Okay. I, nah, I'm it, just. I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm, I'm only like a level of bow biology that we never really yeah, get I'm, into. Like, are they little bow pods? Like you plant it and it's <laughs> turns into a bigger bow. Um, yeah. No. I don't. I mean, I'm I'm sort of being tongue in cheek, but I'm also very curious about that. Like, I'm only half tongue in cheek. Um. Anyway, so. Yeah. I, so I'll say that we 
never do we get into this level of detail yeah, with the, I, with the I biological nuances of Bo's life. But, um, but we might, even though he has now died, we might learn some more about Bo in the future. Well, so there are in our still, future, not his. In our future. <laughs> um, no, yeah. Well, and so there are still more things. There's to presumably be about Bo. Other brushes that they could have with him between present day and five billion years in the future. Yeah. There's, that's a lot of time. So yeah. there's presumably <laughs> other points where they could maybe, I mean, they say that the doctor only meets him three times. Right. But like there could be tangents where they are in close contact or where we learn more about him where out, wherein they don't actually meet. Right. Okay. Yes. All right. I know. I I want to know more about him. I realize that this is not the type of show where you learn everything about everyone, and that. Yeah. No. But we're we're gonna we're gonna learn more about that. Okay. Um. But the other thing I wanted to mention, and I know we're over time, but I just wanted to bring it up, is then Bo says everything has its time, which the doctor mm-hmm. has said before. Mm-hmm. And then he says, "You know that old friend better than most," so he calls him old friend. Yeah. So, but he's only met him like twice before. Right. Okay. Right. So, is this a case of Bo, Bo knows, Bo knows, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I, I didn't even mean that, um, where Bo knows the doctor and like has been following the doctor's progress. Mm-hmm. Um, but the doctor doesn't, like the doctor's like, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. Martha asks, right, who right, is he? And Martha the doctor says, says who is I don't, he? Even, I don't know. even know. So yeah. like, but he calls him old friend. So like, clearly Bo knows who the doctor is. And, I, and maybe that's just cause it's like, he's like Yoda, right? He's been around so long. Well, the doctor's right, like right. Yoda cause they're 900 years old, but, um, right. but like, he's just, it's like one of those things, like you've been around long enough. You just know everything, you know, everyone. So maybe that's just part of it. But I don't know. The calling of him old friend, like that, that has me bothered. That's why I want to know more because it's like, yeah. where does he get that? Like if he's only met him a few times and it's, or has right. the doctor forgotten something that, because I mean, the doctor's forgotten stuff before, like, or, mm-hmm. you know, have had to have been reminded of things. So, right, um, right. I think those are all good questions to be asking. <laughs> and you're not going to answer any of them. Okay, fine. Uh, I no, can, I'm not. But I can I take think... a hint. I think either I think those statement. are both really good suggestions, and it would be revealing to say one or the other of them might be more correct than the other, or it's a bit of a mix. Because I think I think you're right to sort of pick up on the specificity of that phrase, but then also, well, I think Yoda is a really good comparison, and you know, Bo is kind of a wise old, you know. Thing. sage figure yeah. you might call everybody old friend you right. know what i mean right like, it might just be it, a, a term of recognition like of status or something like it, right, it might we, not we've be we've been allies in these adventures and whatever but um i think if you're picking up on those questions that's right and good and that those aren't insignificant questions so yeah um well and then the only other thing and I don't, I mean, I don't know if this, ain't, I, I have mixed feelings about whether I need to enter this in as evidence of anything 
And if so, I have no idea what it might be evidence of. But we get the story um, from Thomas Kincaid Brannigan that right. about yeah. the uh, right. the person who stood in the um, exhaust infused air too long and had right. their head blow up to right. an enormous size. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. But that I don't. I mean, but that is like recently, right? Because we know that this this right, right. Uh, virus has only been yeah, a no, recent. I noticed that too because I thought, well, that's such a clear parallel that it's impossible right. to ignore. But on the other hand, we're not going to find out that Bo is Bo because he stood out. That's not actually like going to turn out to be why the face right because because this is a fairly recent phenomenon yeah right so but it's you know but but it's an it kind of i think hints towards the ideas of how an alien might like the face of bow might evolve you know there's some like some combination right so it could have natural might not have natural causes might not have started out as literally a face like we we've seen yeah we we've seen like with um Ursula. <laughs> yeah. You know, she is right. now also only a face. And I right. thought she, she might be the always. face of Bo at yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. no, but I think I think cuz I noticed that too and I was like, well, you know, why put that in there if it's not an explanation? And I think that's why because it hints at this idea that, you know, how might the face of Bo come to be the face of Bo? What kinds of right. things might cause something like that? So Right. I think that is in there well, and it's, it's, specifically it's, for that reason. And you know what I think? Because I didn't actually catch up. I didn't catch that the first viewing. I caught that the second viewing. And it's the... Um, uh, Valerie is is uh-huh. his partner, right? His right. wife. Um, it's her protesting too much, sort of, of the... Oh, no, that's right. only a story. That's only a legend. That's only... And, right. it, and it was that use of the word legend, I think, that she said that right. that made me yeah. connect it. Because then it's like, then we're talking about the legend of Bo. And it's like, oh, well, actually, wait a right. minute. Huh. Or it could be... I mean, it could be that people have heard rumors of Bo. And that maybe it is an urban legend, but right. based so on the maybe, idea of the face. Right, so, so it could be something else. It's all those you're not quite sure with Bo. Right, it might not be an origin his, story. It might be a confusion. Where his legend starts, and you know, I think that's all yeah. swirling around in there, right. and it's meant to be sort of ambiguous. I think. Yeah, I, I don't like that. <laughs> um, but anyway, we've talked too long. Yeah, we every have. every well, everything but, must come to an end, like this discussion poor, poor of Doctor Who. Yeah, I'm just sad that Bo dies. I, I I am sad because even though we don't know much about him, he's like an instantly, instantly likable just because of his yeah. strangeness, because you know, and yes. Yes. and because you do find out that he's a benevolent being. Like the first yeah. time we meet him, he's just kind of, eh, it's a face in a jar. Okay, yeah. that's what, like, and the first time we meet him, it's amongst like another, you know, a whole group of weird alien creatures. Like it's not. Yeah. We don't really know much about him. The first time we truly meet him, I guess we see him in the long game. No, no, no. We see him in End of the World first. That's the first time we meet him, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, it's among, like, all these other aliens. It's just kind of like, okay, another strange creature amongst all mm-hmm. these other creatures. But then we do come to learn that he's actually benevolent and 
and has been working at similar purposes, at least in this particular case. I mean, who knows? Over a five billion year stretch, he might have had his wild times. You know, he <laughs> might have he might have, as a young face, been accustomed Sowed to some partying. So and yeah. <laughs> some bow oaks. Oh my god. We need to stop talking about this because we're coming right. bow nose. That's what that's I'm that's a t shirt idea right there. Someone is gonna make a lot of money off of that. Um <sighs> Anyway, okay. So, but I like right. Bo. Yeah, Little I that I know too. about him. Wish I knew more. Maybe we'll learn. Yeah. Maybe I'll learn more. Time yeah. to move on. Okay. <sighs> Buffy. Buffy. Oh, man. Buffy one, doesn't know. From one intense thing to another. Yeah. So. Yeah, another good pairing of episodes. Yeah. Um, and kind of tonally too like I was thinking like both of them are really I mean again we're getting like we got last week that kind of mix of the the um standalone episode with some sort of arc driven mythological bits you Mm. know and that's true in Doctor Who too this week um yeah and then also in both of them you know these kinds of mix of the happy ending the kind of you know, you catastrophe sort of out of out of catastrophe comes the deliverance of the happy ending, mm-hmm. but also that melancholy and that introspection too. That they're not happy stories necessarily, um, right. and um, especially with Buffy, with uh, you know, the end of the episode. It not only made me think of the you catastrophe, but also of the idea of catharsis, and which I actually think are really closely related. Um, you know that the idea that, um, especially in relation to art, that when you when you watch a play or a, a movie or read a book, that you it's kind of an alchemical idea that you sympathize with the characters, and then it you know, that you in sympathy with them or in empathy with them sort of go through the process of, you know, dealing with whatever the issues are and the emotions and then you come out sort of freed from that on the other side. And that's kind of literally what happens with James, the ghost, that he's looking to relive this event over and over again. And as, you know, Giles says, he's stuck in purgatory because he it, the 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 story always goes the same way he can't ever resolve those issues because he's just watching it sort of on a loop over mm-hmm. and over again um but he's looking to get something out of replaying it you know sort of endlessly and mm-hmm. eventually the deliverance comes out of that because thanks to angel being undead <laughs> he can't kill him with a gun um it's going to take a little bit more than that and so you get you get the deliverance through you know what should have ended in tragedy ends happily that he actually gets to you know resolve those issues by sort of fantasizing about what would have happened if i hadn't killed her and it's kind of interesting i i i want to i wonder I'm not quite sure at the end Buffy kind of says I don't know why she would forgive him the 
the, the teacher, that she's struggling to understand where that forgiveness comes from. I wonder if she did, because the only ghost we really know of is James, is the poltergeist. Mm-hmm. So that he's the one who's sort of trapped there with his unresolved issues. And it's right. James that gets sort of delivered at the end. I don't know that we ever really get any suggestion that the teacher's ghost is participating in this in any way. So yeah. my reading of the ending is, you know, fortunately because Angel is playing the female counterpart and so doesn't die at the end, but is still able to carry on the sort of little play that they're putting on. Mm-hmm. That is James fulfilling, you know, breaking that endless repetition cycle and getting the resolution and fantasizing about you know the forgiveness and what would have happened and you know and that's what is able to you know free him from that but then you've also so he's kind of getting catharsis out of replaying this scene over and over but then also Buffy and Angel are strangely getting the same thing because they're able to sort of I think it's really cleverly written this episode the way that the dialogue is relevant both to the ghosts and to Buffy and Angel. Right, right. And as they're doing it at the end, you realize how they actually do really identify with the characters. And so Buffy and Angel are able to sort of have a conversation that they're otherwise not able to have. Right, right. And Buffy's able to sort of cathartically work through those feelings of rejection and anger and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and... So then when when the ghost teacher says, you know, uh, I, I never stopped loving you, you kind of feel like that has resonance for Angel, too, that that must be true for Angel in his human state before the vampire sort of kicked him out of his own body again, that mm-hmm. Angel never stopped loving Buffy either. He was just sort of evicted from his own house. Yeah. Um, and so... It's just a really interesting... I went on my little rant there. But I think it's a really nice... It's a nice kind of metaphor for stories. And, you know, that in sort of watching and emotionally participating in somebody else's drama, you sort of get to work through your own internal drama in a way. Yeah. And come out sort of with a with a new level of understanding on the other side. Um, that would be my sort of artistic interpretation of what this episode means anyway. Yeah, no, I think I think all of that is spot on. I, th- I think we're done with our podcast because you just said everything. <laughs> I nailed that, it. <laughs> yeah, no, I obviously will continue talking because that's what we do. But um, no, I think you're right. I think I think on all of those levels, on on the resolution of, of James and, and his mistress teacher, or would that make him her mister? I don't know. Um, you know, whatever, whatever the male equivalent for mistress. Yeah. Whatever the appropriate, um, relationship is there to call that. Um, so there's that level and then the level you're right. Like the repeating, the repeating of that, um, and multiple characters within the culmination and Buffy and Angel uh, and how they resolve it. And, and, and the fact that 
they don't immediately identify with the characters you might associate yes. them based on gender, yes. you know, yeah, yeah. but, but, but of course, um, you know, we talked about the protesting too much just a minute ago with, with, uh, Valerie and Dr. Who, well, you know, here it's, we get the Buffy, the, you, you know, you can't forgive someone who, you know, make kills their love basically. And you come to realize sort of in, in her playing out that part, that that's how she feels that it's her fault. And we even get, you know, Willow explicitly saying that, you know, it's not your fault. What happened isn't your fault, but clearly Buffy is the one who feels and, and she, it's interesting at the end because she's the, she says that James identified with her, but I don't think Mm -hmm. that's, what happened i think it's because she identified with him subconsciously that that he naturally went with her so i mean so maybe it's both but i think there's an element there of of her believing that it's that it's her fault and that she killed her love literally she ripped the soul out of her love you know and 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 that that's why she shouldn't be forgiven and it has nothing really to do with james or men in general or you know lovers who treat their love badly um right but especially when she says about you know that he did it in a moment of blind passion yeah yeah yeah, which is clearly a pointer back to uh innocence or whatever the episode was Mm -hmm. that it like that that's and then she says at the beginning, too, that she's not going to be impulsive because look what happened when I was impulsive. Right. You know, bad yeah. things happen. So, right. That's clearly on her mind. Yeah. 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 No, I think it's definitely that. And it's and so it. Right. And the whole not forgiving is is her not forgiving herself. And it's mm-hmm. it's that having, I suppose, to hear, uh, you know, someone it can't it's not just anyone else right it's not just someone in the sense of anyone can say you're forgiven or that you know it's not your fault it has to be the one who you presume is the one who uh is accusing you or blaming you right um yeah Yeah. or the one that you feel that you sinned against who has to forgive you but it's you know that's the very one. And that's that's Willow's point, right? Is James can't let it go. Or no, is, is it Willow who says that? Or is it Xander? So, someone who Xander, says... Xander um, who says he can't live with it. He's he can't dead. live with it. Right, right, right. But he can't he, live with it because he's dead. And it's like, you almost feel like Buffy is about to get it at that point. But she doesn't even really get it at that point. Um, yeah. It's not until she works it through and and has to find that empathy that she's unwilling to admit could possibly exist uh so yeah i mean lots of lots of stuff there and then i i it's an interesting point you make and i hadn't quite thought about it in in the way that you said um sort of just generally in the way uh you know on a entirely meta sort of level just how you (laughs) read stories and 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 it becomes almost a defense of literature but you know, yeah. literature plus, you know, literature expanded into stories such as visual media like television and movies and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. The the inclusive meaning of literature rather than an exclusive one. Um, 
so yeah no it's that that's a very interesting uh that's a very interesting idea it, it, you're right the the playing out of the, the multiple repetitions does help you work through finding um empathy or or at least giving you an opportunity to to think of things from a different perspective and that's I'll I'll add to your rant and say that's why in particular I like speculative literature and yeah, and yeah. you know as far as fantasy and science fiction go um depending on how you define speculative is there any type of fiction that isn't speculative but we can right. we can have that right. debate some other day uh right right anyway so yes, so I think yeah, well, I think a, you I said think it, it all, and and I thought it so well that I had to repeat everything that you just said because I felt you know you said it so great. Well, I'll expand on that because I think <laughs> uh, I think speculative or genre, or imaginative literature, whatever you want to call it. I think again, not that all. I mean, all literature is, you know, or all fiction is really fiction right like it's kind of silly to separate types of fiction when it's all fiction but i think these types of stories which do include things outside of our sort of everyday reality do do that in a way better or at least can achieve that more powerfully because it sort of forces you to invest at a higher level it forces you to sort of you know use your imagination and enter into you can't just sort of passively sit back you have to actively engage with you know imagining a story which includes you know science fiction and fantasy possibilities and i think it gets you sort of it gets your mind moving at a slightly higher register mm. um so i think that's part of the appeal of it and that's kind of why you know the appeal of uh you know the the fairy tale and things like that i mean i think that's why you catastrophe and catharsis are kind of closely related is that tolkien's idea of the catastrophe is that it is the the turn in the happy ending but why is that powerful it's powerful because it's not just you're reading about someone else experiencing a happy ending, but because you enter in and you experience yeah. the happy ending. Yeah. Um, and you're enter and that's it's this real if you're invested, if you're you know, not just suspending disbelief, but actively, you know, putting belief into a story, which if it's a science fiction or a fantasy story, it you you can't just not invest if you're going to get the story you have to right. actively believe in it right um so it does make you more participatory and then that that happy ending or or even the sad endings even when they end badly or tragically it it gets you in a slightly more personal way i think mm -hmm. or at least when it's done well it does um so yeah very heady stuff in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some and good I, stuff. I, you touched on the gender swap. I thought that was the other. I mean, the two really bits, two really good bits of cleverness. One is um, the resonance of the dialogue, and that you really don't necessarily see that coming, even though we've heard the dialogue repeated like three or four times between the ghosts. Um, 
even though you hear it several times leading up to it's not until you actually see it with Buffy and Angel that you go oh okay I see you know we've been mm. building to this um, but then the other thing is the reversal of the gender and I thought that is really interesting that Buffy even though she is subconsciously identifying with James I think consciously she's actively trying not to identify with him that he's mm. the bad she's putting him in the same category with Angel the vampire as yeah. the bad abusive violent boyfriend who mm -hmm. changed overnight and you know is you know wrecking my life that they get lumped into the sort of you know bad guy you know, category. Um, so it is interesting then um, when you get the end and it's just jarring to see very sort of, you know, stereotypically male chauvinist language coming out of Buffy and very you know, sort of stereotypically, you know, victimized <laughs> female language yeah. coming out of Angel. Right. Um, and just the sort of uh, juxtaposition of that sort of makes you think about it differently. He, like her having yeah. her say, yeah. "Don't walk away from me, bitch." Yeah, I is love. Like, I love when she like, calls Angel a bitch. <laughs> it's like whoa, okay. and that is like, and not really... in like a Jesse Pinkman sort of way either. It's, no, you know, it's a very <laughs> no. It's it's really it's it. We take for granted that word, yeah, and don't sure. really think about what that you know that i think that's one of those words it's easy to not think of that as that's not one of the really bad words mm -hmm. like that's not so bad like you know we use it in everyday language and it's we're kind of desensitized to it mm -hmm. so hearing you know hearing it come out of a in a different context by someone you don't expect to hear it kind of reminds you of what a cruel word it is and mm. and like hearing Buffy say that to Angel reminds you of what it is you're really hearing when a man says that to a woman or when a woman says that to a woman you know that the kind of derogatoriness of it is sort of refreshed because it's out taken out of context a little bit yeah so. yeah 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 and it well and that's the thing, but it's not taken out of context at the same time, right? It's like, it's sort of like slightly shifted, you know? So it's like yeah. kind of off kilter, but well, still it makes you, in context. It makes you re-examine yeah. the context. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. It, you're right. Like, it's, it's not like the use of it has changed. It's just because, because we don't hear that applied to men, suddenly it's shocking. But shouldn't it always be shocking? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it, it reminds you this should be a shocking way to talk to somebody. Yeah. But we don't think of it that way because we're so used to it, mm -hmm. you know? So it's just very, very clever. The end of that episode, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a very culminating moment too, because so you get, you get the catharsis like you were talking about um, with the ghosts and their resolution and you get, Buffy and Angel saying, you know, the things that we kind of feel like they should be saying. But you also get the, um, well, it's a continued because 
Angel's still alive, um, attempts by Buffy to kill him, right? Like, so we get the, what all started with the kick in the balls, you know, yeah. and the, the I, I'm not strong enough to do it now, to the resolution of, okay, I do have to get him, but, you know, she ends up, um, is oh, that's when Giles storms off, right? And Giles goes to the warehouse to kill yeah. Angel, and Buffy's like, "Okay, I realize I have to kill him, but um, you know, right, she ends up saving Giles, Giles first, so it's yeah. it's yeah, like, and the whole I need you to help, blah blah blah. But now it's she shot him, and yeah. we know because he's a vampire, it's you know not going to kill him ultimately, but she shot him, and so yeah. this is this is a. <laughs> Cathar- another you know moment of catharsis uh and of course the very uh, sort of the ironic thing being that it, she's shooting him for a completely different reason you know to right. to stop all of this other hauntings and 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 let this other spirit being ghost whatever you know move on and, and get past its thing but you still can't help have sort of that feeling like good like good you right. finally are like yes it didn't kill him but it's like a step closer like you're almost there like right. you can almost right. but, do this but then it's complicated further because are, are should we then be worried if we're cheering her on because we've just spent well, the whole episode talking about exactly how what a what what a inhuman you know cruel jerk James is for you know how could you don't just stop loving so how could you do that to her all this stuff and Buffy explicitly you know does not want to identify with him that she's put him in the bad guy pile and so Mm -hmm. what does that say if Buffy and we kind of enjoy the fact that she shot Angel you know that I think that has to complicate rather than spurring her on I would think that would complicate the revenge plot because, you know, she's just now spent this episode dealing with this ghost who is dealing with the repercussions in the afterlife of a revenge plot in which he killed the woman who spurned him. And so you have to wonder, you know, yes, Buffy is going to kill Angel because he's a vampire he's a blood-sucking demon who kills people that that's her job <laughs> right, she, she, right. he does deserve it and she should kill him but but there's also her own personal motivation in there too she's also going to kill him because of what he did to her well and, and i but i think that that's right and i think that's part of the catharsis here is that now that part of it is out of the way can be like like now she's she's taking care of the personal demons so to speak and 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 now it can be all business you know like now it can be it's my job to kill you so i'm going to kill you because you're a blood-sucking fiend it's it's no longer because because i think that was the hesitation before was the personal part that she didn't want to kill him so now now that She's gone through all of that, and and right. again, She's it's in it's that, in a different part of her. Yeah, it's in the context of trying to save the high school in a different way. So it's yeah. you know I, I'm not saying it's simple or easy, but it it does show that progression of I can't do it to I need to do it to okay I'm 
I'm physically able to hurt you now and and I've gotten through well and I think uh, and I think it would it would have been wrong if her motivation was for revenge and which right. the, which was mixed in there but like you said that was sort of what was being dealt with so maybe you know now that she has maybe gotten some um resolution with those sort of with the more personal, you know, revenge-driven side of her motivation, you know, that doesn't have to complicate her duty as the Slayer, you know? Right, right. Because you imagine if she ran out and killed Angel the next day, she would be like James, endlessly reliving her own guilt of what she did to, you know, what she did to Angel, you know, and we don't, want that for Buffy you know we want her to do the right thing for the right reasons you know not because she feels right. jilted or because of whatever so yeah that's what we want but you know yes. <laughs> sometimes that's not always what happens no that's true <laughs> um, but no you're right I, I yeah yep um, so with regard to Buffy, mm-hmm. so we so all of that having been said, we talk we just talked about like the last eight minutes of the show of the episode, <laughs> which is like, is there anything yeah. else that happened in the entire episode <laughs> with regard to Buffy that you know? Um, uh, well, she's not in dating. I mean, we did mode. we uh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not seeing anybody ever again. Actually. <laughs> Yeah, she's sworn off all relationships. Yeah. Um, and we did kind of talk about her stuff, like, that that's her fear of what if something like this happens again? You know, mm-hmm. what if right. in a moment of passion I do something like this again? So, uh, yeah, she's still not at the point where, and understandably, yeah. I think. Um on on the sort of the gender bending stuff um i do i do like that it's set in the context of sadie hawkins dance yeah and yeah and the very first scene yeah. is the guy asking the girl to ask him out <laughs> like right, trying to get her to ask yeah him out. it's like well maybe you could ask me out sometime <laughs> it's right. like dude you clearly don't get the point yeah, um yeah but yeah, no. So like, you you do sort of get that that setup of, like maybe there's gonna be some ideas, but it's still I I think it's well done because you you don't know how that's gonna play out. Um, mm-hmm. as, well, I mean, I did because I've seen it like six times before. But you know, like, <laughs> no, I didn't. You, you, I definitely you wouldn't. Didn't. You would. I certainly didn't know it the first time I watched it, and and you know, you wouldn't necessarily. So I I like that aspect that it that they're they are definitely playing with with the different roles here yeah um and uh yeah yeah no. and cordy cordy doesn't approve of the gender bending no no she's she's a traditional gal she wants the guy yeah. to pay we gotta we gotta nip this this feminism thing in the bud it's it's not dating until the guy pays right <laughs> right yeah I i love that she just takes xander's sort of offhand comment there completely seriously yeah. Um, so, okay. Well, yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, there's not, I mean, on the one hand, like you said, like it, it, it is a, 
sort of a dual episode with with the mythology and and the monster of the week but but i think most most of it plays right into that final scene so the the culmination yeah. there uh pretty much pretty much says it all um so yeah so um well but with angel it's maybe a slightly different story we we do get a little outside of that uh final culmination there with angel um yeah, and and, right. and drew and spike scouring himself to get the love off of him yeah yeah, yeah, I love. What, what, he's violated. Well, what was it? A demon? Drew asks, and he goes, "Love, <laughs> poor angel, no. <laughs> poor angel, <laughs> be smeared by love." Yeah. Um, no, that's that's hilarious. And well, it is interesting that the them them sort of waking up after the ghosts go away doesn't then turn into a fight. He, angel hightails it out of the yeah he he's afraid freaked out yeah. and he shoves her away and runs for it yeah so that's interesting you know that that kind of fear we haven't really seen from angel since he's been back in his vampire form. no yeah um yeah definitely shows he's vulnerable to something yeah you know in that in that respect and you're not quite sure what it is is it is it because maybe he does still have feelings and, and you've been right. questioning all along, you know, and Spike and Drew right there, you know, there's clearly feelings of the, the human feelings of jealousy and yeah. all of that, that the judge judges them for, um, right. <laughs> you know, and, and so, yeah, like, is it, is it one of those things of, you know, you've, you've looked into your own soul and, and, well, he doesn't have a soul, but you know, you've looked into your own lack of soul and seen that maybe you do still have feelings in there somewhere mm-hmm. for her, you know, could be, or is it just, or is it the violation that there was something else controlling him and he didn't like it, which in that respect, well, dude, you're a demon that's in someone else's body, you know, controlling right. that. Right. So like, right what is it that you don't like about that like it's yeah there's some interesting uh ideas to play yeah, with I, there well the fact that we don't i like the fact that it's kind of unclear yeah you know yeah no we don't that, know the it's just of that is he just gets of, freaked out and runs off and yeah 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 i believe um, once you start drawing blood you've exfoliated <laughs> uh but yeah and that so you know the few we've, we've talked about the whole weird incestuous thing going on between him and drew and spike and the right. the implied attention that he's giving to drew although right and 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 kind of implied although we don't know exactly what level they're at but it's almost like his he's uh hinting to spike that wherever they are they're going to the next level soon you know like right you know, and again, maybe it's just hints we don't even know, but you know, definitely there's that sense that our relationship is escalating, and you're getting further and further. Yeah. Spike's getting further and further marginalized, you know, cut off from yeah. the two of them with whatever it is that they do. Yeah, yeah, we don't. It's just a lot of bluster and implication at this point. We don't. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really know what's going on between the two of them. Um, and given Angel's propensity towards 
psychological torture. That may all he's, that may be all it is, you know, that it might not be anything more than him just implying things. And Drew, in her insanity, just enjoys watching Spike squirm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it. Yeah. Or it well, could it's be certainly full effective on, on Spike, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's getting to Spike. I think we can see that. Yeah. Well, and so, of course, at the end, he stands up. So we see that maybe he's been maybe he's not full capacity yet, but he's. He's at least almost there. It seems like this isn't the first time he's stood up. Right. That's, that's the impression I right. got. It, was, right. This wasn't yeah. like the, you know, I'm walking after my, you know, long convalescence, taking my first tentative steps. No, it's steps. like he's, he's been stronger for a while than he's been letting on. He, he's that's kind the of letting I got. Angel yeah. dole out some rope with which he yeah. can then hang him. Yeah. 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 No, yeah, I, and he says, I think that's right. He's going to try to have some fun without me. I will. Yeah, Spike, Spike is, like you've said, is a creature of the moment. He's all about the fun, you know? And so what kind he's of He's just waiting for the moment to, to you know? arrive. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is interesting, some infighting between the bad guys. Um, sure, sure. You know, it's always... That's uh, that always looks good for the heroes. <laughs> so we'll we'll see we'll see how that we'll plays see. out. Um. Uh, so a few other characters we need to talk about real quick. Um, yeah. Willow. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about her? Um, okay. So, just and well, actually, no. Sorry, before Willow, we need to talk about yeah. Snyder. Yes. Uh, yes. He's no stranger to conspiracies. He saw JFK. He's seen JFK. Um, and also, he's embroiled in a conspiracy of his own. Yeah. Clearly. Talk uh, about conspiracies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I forget exactly what we knew before, but we knew that he and the police were covering, were actively covering up some hellmouth activity or other. But now, Specifically, we get a reference to the Hellmouth. Yes. So he says we're living on the Hellmouth. So it's not like he knows. It's not like he's just covering up weird paranormal activity. It's like, no, specifically, he, this is a a known right. location of demonic activity, and he was specifically hired because right. he's the guy for the job who can handle this stuff. W- which goes back to so I think the first time we saw him was in the puppet show, right? Where we get the right. the sort of hints of right. Flutie uh, clearly could not handle it, and so this right. is the guy they brought in. Well, and but even then, Snyder's kind of like, "There's something going on here." You know, it's it's yeah. uh, not not really sure what's happening. Yeah. Right, and he was kind of a figure of menace at that point. Like we noticed. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that in that episode that he was sort of lurking, and they don't really address right. it? You just sort of see him watching Buffy, and right because sort of, there's the implication yeah. that he might be the one doing the killings, but then right, right. But even after that's over, those worries don't go away. Right, right. Especially so, when we learn that he does know more than he's letting on. Right, right. Your level, the the whole level of knowledge question, which we haven't addressed in a while, sort yeah. of goes out of the way. So it's. He is in the know, actually, and he knows uh, not just that there are strange things going on, but he knows that this is a hell- he knows what a hellmouth is, and that yeah. there is one in Sunnydale, and yeah. that it's affecting things 
you know, for his school, and that, yeah, he is under some obligation to the city council, which apparently also knows about it. Right, that this goes, the, this level of knowledge goes up to the government of the municipal, the, yeah. Right, the mayor knows about yeah. it, and well, and, and, the, and is doling orders to the chiefs of police, and, and it everything. and it's an yeah. So right, the chief is like he he's kind of like a threat, right? He like threatens him, like right, right. If you're right, not, unless, if you're not good, it's almost like threatening the principal with the mayor's office. Yeah, which is, which is kind, kind of, of a, a weird. Funny. A funny oh. little irony. That's usually what you say is, do you <laughs> right, want to right. go to the principal? Right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it kind of throws a whole whole new little twist on that. So, there, you know, who who knows where that may go. But mm. it... My, my, my main question is, I mean, clearly he knows things about Buffy. I mean, he says, you stink of lies. And he's... <laughs> Singled out Buffy for yeah. for unfair reprimand right. in the past, and right, so, I'm going to keep looking until I know how this is your until fault. Until I prove it's your fault, <laughs> yeah. and so the my question becomes: Does he? I mean, Buffy stinks of lies because, of course, she's lying. She she does know about all this stuff, and she's pretending that she does. That, you know, that secretly she's involved in all of this mm. hellmouth activity. So. Does he uh, just, is he just picking up on the fact that she knows more than she's letting on? Mm. That Or does he know about the Slayer? And does he know that Buffy yeah. is the Slayer? And yeah. we don't know that. You know, I'm not asking you to tell me that. But, right. Well, no. Because I'm sure it's one of Because you gave things, me so much but, information about Face of Bo. I'm going to give you exactly the same amount of information here. Which is wait and see. Exactly. So. Right. And it's. It's one of those things. So that's what I'm wondering at this point is. So we know he knows stuff about the Hellmouth, but how much does he know about Buffy? Right. Does he know everything that kind of goes along with right. this underworld? Right. Or um, is it just or is it just that he knows there's this demonic activity and he's noticed that Buffy is always involved? Right. So is she on? some kind of demonic thing, too, maybe? Like, yeah. Is right. there is there a little bit of the demon in her? Sure. Could be. Right, which is, again, to go back to the puppet show, the mistake that the puppet made, right? Because didn't mm -hmm. he notice that Buffy was always around when this stuff happened, but his conclusion was Buffy's the demon. And, right, and she's that she's super strong and, right. Yeah, yep. yeah. Right, so Snyder could, as long as we're making references back to that episode, that could be a hint that Snyder's thinking the same thing. Yeah, I think that's the most references anyone has ever made to the puppet show. <laughs> um, well, we'll not make that mistake. <laughs> well, yeah, just because it happens to be the one where Snyder shows up. But no, those those are the things that... And we, and we haven't seen Snyder in a while, so it's... No. Um, I think Bad Eggs, maybe? Did we see yeah. him after, after they were coming out and blaming it on yeah. a gas leak and all of that? Right. Yeah. Maybe. Because um, I think that's when we got sort of the other reference before of, mm -hmm. oh, you know, there's something going on here. So. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it brings into question. You know, how long? How long have they? I mean, Snyder's been around for a season. You know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and the council hired him, like you said, to come and sort of yeah. take care of the problem at Sunny, the problems at Sunnydale. But are there other institutions where? They're bringing people in to kind of put their their uh, 
shills, you know, in place right, kind of right. thing? And, and if so, right. I mean, why? If the, if you the know, mayor what's... of Sunnydale knows, who's to say the governor of California don't know, doesn't know? Or the yeah. president? Like, how yeah. high does this? Yeah. I mean, and maybe those, that's, those are maybe good that's questions. a moot point. But, you know, I, the, the circles of knowledge might be wider than what we've... I will neither confirm nor deny whether any of those levels of government or if there are world organizations involved or... Well, we do know know. that we did get that one little reference to that bureau of the FBI or whatever that was like, you know... Right. uh, You know, taking away invisible children. So at least there are certain departments that know about this Right, it's like the X-Files department there. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, you're right. We, we already did, did sort of see that. So, but there was no, cause that wasn't a hellmouth thing, which is the interesting part of that, right? That was right. the implication was that that was sort of something sort of like different. Like a natural phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. So not even sure, like, like they might know about that particular type of thing happening, but may not, may still not necessarily know about hellmouths and demons and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. So, definitely interesting there. So now, Willow, we should mention real quick, just talk a little about her. um, So we see her teaching Miss Calendar's computer class, and I I love her excitement at making them all laugh. Yeah, I did the the joke thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's giddy about there. Um, Um, And I noticed that she's still following Jenny's lesson plans, which I'm still taking as a failed reference to... The fact that that damn floppy disk is still sitting behind the desk. That she, what we were following, Jenny left good lesson plans. Well, she left other good plans too that we don't know about. Yeah. So, I I'm I'm still waiting for that floppy disk to be Chekhov's found. floppy disk. Yeah, yeah. That that I think the fact that references are made to her plans and that we are following them after her death. I think think maybe we're going to come back to that yeah well and and willow is not just following plans but also looking into the personal stuff that she was right into um she you know she references the um paganism and magic websites and the files on the computer there not so the lesson plans yes but also the stuff that will help the scoobies and yeah and and her well remember she said before with uh ted you know she kept some parts because she just wants to learn stuff yeah and uh here she's just trying to learn stuff you know so she's curious you know and and computers are something she's good at we've seen before so Mm -hmm. uh would keep that in mind as well um Mm -hmm. and then uh we didn't talk about it with regard to james and and you know, the ghost and that whole situation too there. But interesting that she's the only one initially. Well, I mean, I guess Giles does kind of empathize too, but, but Willow's really the one sort of pleading his case right in the beginning yeah. and, and Buffy's having none of it. Um, so just, I mean, and, and I think that's just part of right. Willow's personality. It's even, you know, even right, the evil the, things, she's, like, trying to find the good in them, you know? Yeah, and I think she's been the rejected one, you know? That she might have some empathy for... That's true. For the one who has been disappointed in 
their relationships and, you know, not had returned love and that sort of thing. So Yeah. And so the question becomes is, you know, I mean, yes, she's been the rejected one, but clearly she's never gone to this extent, right? Of No, of, no. of like this. But you know, it's no, because she's of a. It makes you wonder. More, like she's of a more gentle, a gentler disposition. <laughs> but we saw <laughs> to use a very Victorian in, term, I suppose. Yeah. But yeah. But but she, uh, I mean, we did see in sort of a similar thing with the possession of the love potion that she was the one at the forefront with the axe. So right. I think. Well, yeah, that and that was I was going to say is, is 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 you know just because she has that like is you know is is she thinking like maybe like oh man could she imagine you know being that that one and it's kind of interesting to see the empathy that she has maybe she can you know maybe she is imagining that and and like you said she was the one at the forefront with the axe so (laughs) it's not like it's completely unprecedented um strange to say (laughs) about willow yeah um and then um, on on the Willow, Jenny, then to Giles. Uh, mm-hmm. So Willow oh. gives him the rose quartz thing. Yeah. Um, and of course, Giles. so speak about talk about over identify much. Yeah. Giles really wants this to be Jenny. Yeah. Which is very, kind of weird. It's weird. It well, it is that. It, it you know it makes me think of Army of Ghosts when. Jackie really wants the ghost to be her father. Sure. And don't you think it's beautiful? And the doctor says, I think it's horrific. Yeah. That for Giles, any contact with Jenny is beautiful. Even if mm-hmm. what that means is she's a poltergeist trapped in the hell of her own unresolved issues. Well, at least I'd get to talk to, get to, talk to her. You right, know? right. And then, well, you and- know, sort of by the end, it's like, well, no. Jenny wasn't that kind of person, and we probably don't want that to be her fate anyway. Right. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, and it's interesting that the rest of them are pointing out logical things to him, right? And he's completely <laughs> ignoring. It. Like, obviously, that you know, great, usually it's that the great other line. The other way around. I encourage you to challenge me when you feel it's appropriate. You should never be cowed by authority, except of course in this instance when I am clearly right and you are clearly wrong. It was a great line. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 wishful thinking, but also harmful because yeah. he's in doing his own thing and completely ignoring. Like he's Giles doesn't help hardly at all until no. the very end. Like I mean, he kind of gives a little, you know, the speech about forgiveness is an act of compassion and all of that. But right. then they're like he like leaves them on their own, doesn't ask for their help, and then. You know, they try to talk him, you know, give talking some sense to him. And he's like, no, no, just go off. And then, you know, leaves them to kind of figure out on their own. So you have Willow yeah. trying to pull up paganism stuff that ends up not working, you yeah. know. And, and um, yeah, yeah, I mean, just just the idea that, you know, He's the watcher, right? He's the adult. He's the one who's supposed to know things. He's the one who's ostensibly in charge in some sort of sense. And he just completely abandons them to to go on this thing, you know, this search for Jenny that he should know better than to think yeah. that it's actually going to be her. So, 
you know, yeah. Giles, it's not like the first time we've seen Giles be fallible, but um, it's pretty significant, I think, mm-hmm. that that he does do that. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah they, well, they all I make mean, it out like, okay, but that's there was some dangerous stuff going on there, and, and he wasn't and around. I think we, we have seen... We have seen that before that, you know, when in, I think it was the Dark Age, when he was going mm. through, yes, when that demon was coming back, he did sort of shut himself off. And mm-hmm. and again, when Jenny died, he did sort of abandon them and run off to go on a suicide mission. That that's, right. this is a tendency of Giles that when, you know, most of the time he is rational and, you know, and thoughtful and thinking of the other people, but when he gets caught up in his own stuff, he loses, you know, right. and the ability to sort of remember his responsibility over the kids. Right, and that's the thing. Like, it's on the one sense you could sort of see him arguing, "Well, I'm being an adult by taking care of it myself. It's not your problem. I'll do it." But, but right. on the other hand, it, you know, there's also a part of being an adult that's recognizes when you need help and when when right. you have to ask for that help and allow other people to you know be the ones to say actually you're wrong here and yeah. let's think about this in a different way right well and i think there's not maliciously but there's an element of selfishness there that that when it when it is a personal thing when it's not something which is helping Buffy deal with a demon which does not affect him personally mm-hmm. you know but when it's something that affects him he loses his sort of objectivity a little bit yeah um, yeah so, yeah so I mean not something that is a it's not like this is all the time but but when it happens this is a recurring right thing and it, with it seems to happen in instances where they really need his help Right. And he's not yeah. around to give it. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. So that could become a problem at some point. It, yeah. I mean, it has become a problem already, but I'm just saying. Yeah. It could continue to be a problem, I suppose. Yeah, I think if Willow had gotten sucked down into the floor of the school, it could have been a big problem. So There you go. Luckily. Yeah. Luckily, nothing irreversible has happened yet, you know, but. Anyway, well, I think that's. I mean, Xander, that... Xander, and Cordy. Not much with them. I mean, Cord, no, Cordy, kind of... you get her typical, um, you know, blunt, straightforward, sort of, yeah. and and yeah, Xander. Best line: "Something weird is going on." Isn't isn't that her school motto? Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Well. All right. That's that. Uh, and we will be back next week with some more Buffy and Doctor Who. See you then. Hello.